And I'm praying that as we spend these few minutes together tonight that God meets you. Uh, God doesn't expect you to have your life all figured out to be here tonight. He doesn't only speak to the super special people, the real Christians. He, he speaks to every single one of our hearts. Wherever you're at, wherever you're coming from, he's always looking for a person that's humble, a person that's hungry, a person that desires him to meet them in a space like this. And my prayer is that our hearts would be in that spot tonight, anticipating God, do something in my heart tonight. Whatever burden you carry in here tonight, whatever angst you feel, those are the perfect places that our God loves to show up in. He loves to meet you in those places of burden or despair or fear, anxiety, pressure, whatever it is that you feel. And it's so cool how God is able to speak to each of us here tonight, um, right in the midst and through a, a story as simple as this Christmas story. The kids just read it and didn't, they did such a good job reading up here. I'm so proud of those guys. And, and what I love is, is just the familiarity of that story for so many of us, but the power of this story. It's a miraculous story. The fact that God would come to earth, that he would send his son, that he'd be born as a little baby uh, to a virgin, nonetheless. I mean, miracle after miracle. But, but the story, I just want to unpack a little bit of it with you tonight because as miraculous and kind of Disney fairy tale-ish it's been in many of our hearts and lives, there's really a lot of ordinariness I want you to see in this story. Luke chapter two, Luke is a physician. He writes with detail and accuracy, eyewitness accounts he pulled together so that we would have this story and understand the fullness that God wants us to see. Verse one, he says, in those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria and everyone went to his own town to register. See, Rome occupied most of the, the known world at this point. They had conquered almost every people group, including the Middle East where Jerusalem, where Israel is, and, and um, they occupied them as the occupying force. And so when Caesar, this emperor of Rome, would issue a decree. His, his word was law. His word was almost like, uh, like God. It was almost like deified, like it was a, a big deal whenever Caesar would issue a decree. And so here's Caesar giving a decree. I want you to go count all the people of my whole kind of empire, everything that we rule. The thing that's real kind of simple about this is the only reason he was really doing this, he wanted to count people so he could tax people. That kind of sounds normal, doesn't it? I mean, taxes are probably the most, uh, most obligatory thing about our lives. You go to the store, you pay tax. You fill up your car, you're paying tax. You, you, you got income tax, you got property tax. It, it is one of those things that is just obligation that you and I have to do no matter what. The people of this day had those taxes. They had their ruling class and the emperor and all these people that were breathing down their necks for taxes, just like you might feel that pressure in your life as well, wondering where the money is gonna come from. As, as miraculous of a story it is, look at how, how ordinary this really begins. I think about the obligation of taxes and how often our lives kind of feel like they're just carried along from one obligation to the next. One thing we have to do to the next thing we have to do and we're supposed to be there at this time and we gotta make sure we do that thing for that family and we show up at work at this time and it's just one obligation after the next. And if we're not careful, we find our lives just kind of 
passing by us week after week, month after month. Here it is, another year, another Christmas already. We kind of end up here, don't we, sometimes? And like, how did I get here? And how is it that another year has gone by and still my life feels like I'm just being ruled by obligations? I find comfort, though, in this story that the God of the universe is bringing about a, a miracle, that he is bringing his son to earth born of a virgin, like miracle on top of miracle in the midst of such a mundane and obligated slice of history. It would be easy to kind of fancify and glorify this story and make it like some Disney fairy tale, right? But, but to see it couched right here in the backdrop of Caesar issuing a decree and taxes are being exacted from the people that he subjugated. I don't know if you're alive feels like it's just one obligation to the next, but I think there's a bright spot in this story that no matter how much you feel like you're carried along by obligation, that even in the mundaneness and the ordinariness of your life, that the God of the universe, if he's working in this ordinary of a situation, perhaps, maybe, just maybe, he could be working in the ordinariness of your and my life as well. Because of this obligation, verse four says, so, so Joseph, uh, I love this. It's a transition phrase. You might as well say like, therefore, because of this, Joseph, ordinary guy named Joseph, a carpenter. He went up from the town of Nazareth where he lived in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. You get a snapshot of Joseph. He's from a lineage, a royal lineage, I don't know how impactful that was to his story, but, but you see it now impacting his story. A lot of us have a past and we have a lineage and we have family members, some we'd like to forget and some we absolutely love. And, and Joseph has a story much like many of our stories, probably small and feeling insignificant. Yet here God, the God of the universe, is starting to weave a couple of stories together, this small, insignificant guy named Joseph uh, is being weaved into a story of, of God's grace and God's love and God's mercy that God is actually wanting to rescue all mankind. And so he's sending his son, this savior to the world. And he has this huge story that God is writing. And, and here all of a sudden, Joseph, little old Joseph, carpenter Joseph from the middle of nowhere in the Middle East is being weaved into a much, much larger story. And I can't help but reflect and go, I wonder if some of our stories in our past have been things that we've been trying to forget or disconnect from and people that we don't really want anything to do with or struggles that we've had or pain that we've experienced that we never really thought much of it, just tried to get over it and through it and around it and hope that it just doesn't keep haunting us. Yet, yet here we see maybe a glimmer of something that if God could take Joseph's tiny story and the lineage that he has and begin to weave it into a much larger story. Maybe the God that could do that in Joseph's life could take our past, our pain, our, our history, our lineage, and begin to weave it into something much, much larger than we've ever been a part of. It says in verse 5, when he, he went there, Joseph went there to register with Mary who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. 
I think it's pretty miraculous, this, this couple of verses of the story, because one, Mary's pregnant. She's a virgin. It's an absolute miracle that she's, that she's pregnant. It was by God's grace when the angel approached her about it and said, hey, I got good news for you. You're going to be pregnant. God's going to do it. It's going to be a miracle. She's like, come again? Like, how is this, this going to work? Well, it's just, it's going to be God. It's going to be his spirit. He's going to overshadow you, and you are going to be pregnant with God's very own son. And I love Mary's response. She's like, I'm the Lord's servant. All right, if that's what God wants, then I'm in. The fact that the other miracle that I see in this section is that God got Joseph and Mary to Bethlehem. Prophecy after prophecy of Jesus being told about Jesus for hundreds of years prior to his arrival were all about where he was going to be born. The fact that God was able to orchestrate Joseph and Mary from getting them from Nazareth in the midst of uh, being engaged to be married, pregnant with the child, this sense of kind of like wonder of like what is really going on here. Uh, Joseph planned to divorce Mary, but chose not to instead stayed with her in the midst of this question mark, what is going on here? And God moved Caesar's heart to issue a decree to get them to this exact time, town at the exact time that Mary is to give birth to this son. Like what a miracle. And I can't just, can't just like look at that and just go, well, that's just the Bible. That's, look at what God is doing. He is orchestrating history to get them there. This isn't some small thing. Like God is pulling together pieces from all over human history. He is moving the entire Roman Empire to get Joseph and Mary to Bethlehem, the right place at the right time. That to me just causes a gigantic question in my heart. Like, God, if you are that good and that big and that loving and your purposes are that strong that they can't be thwarted, that they can't be undermined, that you have the ability to orchestrate all of human history to get your people to the right place at the right time, God, could you, I wonder, could you, God, be orchestrating my life, my story, my pain, my past, the places we've all been, the questions we've all had, the struggles we've all experienced. Could it be that, that God could actually be orchestrating all of human history to get you and I to the right place at the right time, to fulfill the purpose that he has? Like think of what Mary and Joseph were being invited into, the greatest story ever, that God is on a rescue mission to rescue all humanity from their sinfulness through his son, Jesus Christ. And, and these guys are being pulled by the grace of God into this miraculous story. He's orchestrating. Heaven and earth are being moved to get these guys a part of what God is doing. What a powerful ability that God has to orchestrate. And man, I don't know if you've ever felt like your life doesn't feel too significant. Spokane, I mean, it's like one of the most ordinary cities in the world, isn't it? Like, and I love it. I love that we live here and, and we get to, get to be in this city, but most of us are fairly ordinary. I feel really ordinary most days. And if the God of the, the entire universe has the ability to take this mundane, ordinary moment, the story of Joseph and his past, weave it into this greater story and begin to orchestrate all of the pieces to pull this story together at this exact moment in, in history, 
in the perfect place to get them right where they need to be. I don't know about you, but I start to just kind of go, God, this story starts to preach some hope to this weary soul today. That maybe you could be doing that in my life too. Maybe you could be writing a story that I don't understand and I don't see the end of and I don't fully comprehend my part in it. But God, if you have the capacity to orchestrate what you did in their lives, God, could you be doing that in my life and our lives tonight? I mean, even the fact that some of you are here tonight, it was completely an act of God to get you here. I mean, it might have been a fight in the car. Maybe it was the random text message that you got. You maybe have had nothing to do with Jesus or church ever in your life or for a really long time, yet somehow here you are. And maybe it's been a lot of painful circumstances that have got you here. And even in the midst of all of that, I believe that somehow the God of the universe is orchestrating like this great conductor. It feels like a whirlwind and you're just like a crazy, like tiny leaf carried along in this turbulent storm called life. Yet, yet I see in this narrative that God, the God of the universe could be the very one that is orchestrating the wind, that is, is bringing the breeze, that is blowing through your life in this time and this slice of history and actually orchestrating a moment like this tonight for you to be face to face with the living God. See, hope, hope is so essential for our lives. And I think hope is most essential when things are most mundane. For us to not just feel like another year, another week, another, another moment in life, but to actually have something to hold on to that says, no, maybe something bigger is going on. Maybe God is actually including me in something supernatural and miraculous and my life could actually matter and have purpose and significance and I could be used by God in a story that's actually changing lives and changing families and cities and, and, and an entire world with his love and his goodness. Like, like, God, you could actually be including me in that. I remember, for me, the very first time when I came face to face with Jesus, it was in this swirl, this whirlwind of me trying to figure my life out. I had grown up with a lot of obligation, a lot of religion, a lot of church, a lot of do's and don'ts. And yet, in the midst of that, I still felt these questions inside my soul of wondering, like, do I have what it takes? Am I really living the purpose that God has for my life. And so I started to create plans and purposes and lay things out so that my life would have significance and meaning. But still the questions nagged at my soul. Is this really it? Until that moment of absolute honesty, finally honest before God, when it's really face to face with this awareness that I don't have what it takes to build a life of significance and impact and a life that's going to be meaningful and helpful to this world or whatever it is that's going to bring me meaning and purpose to this life. I don't have it, God. It was like God was waiting for that moment. And in a terrible moment of mercy, I say terrible because it felt so miserable in this moment where God completely pulled all the plans that I had established for myself out from underneath me like a giant rug that I'd been standing on. Feeling like I was just falling, like free falling. It was in that moment that I cling to the only one that had purpose for my life. It was in that moment that I finally turned wholeheartedly to Jesus. And in that moment, he began to speak purpose, significance, direction into my life like I had never known before. And I will tell you with all my heart, the thing that I felt more than anything else was hope. 
hope that I had never known before, hope that filled me with passion, with urgency, with joy, with a sense of compassion for people, things that I had never known. And, and here was God meeting me in this seemingly darkest moment, filling my heart with, with this hope that I knew nobody could take away. And I think about how important this moment is for all of us here tonight to go, God, could you be the, this orchestrator, this conductor, God, that is moving in each of our lives and leading and opening doors and closing doors and creating steps in front of us and things that seem like they haven't been working, God. It's actually you moving us, taking us to places that we weren't ready to go. Could it be that God wanted to get us in this room tonight to go, hey, I've got a purpose for you. I have plans for you. I have significance and meaning for you. And I wonder if you could hear his heart and his voice to you tonight, speaking this hope over your life. It seems that God has the capacity to take people and get them to the right place at the right time. And I think all it requires is us being the right kind of people. And I think Mary and Joseph are those people. They were a, a surrendered people. They didn't have all the answers. They didn't have all the questions figured out. They didn't know what was gonna happen. Joseph planned to divorce Mary, but you know what? God showed up to him, spoke to him and said, don't do that, I've got a plan. Hang with me, Joseph, and he submitted. Mary, when the angel told her she's gonna be pregnant, that would have been the perfect moment to opt out, wouldn't you agree? No, thank you. <laughs> I'll have none of that, please. Yet she said, I am the Lord's servant. The right kind of person is not a person with a pedigree and a, and a perfect religious record. The right kind of person is a person that, that God can speak to and then they will obey. A person that will submit to God's leadership and direction in their lives. God could take the right kind of person, lead them to the right place at the right time. But you and I have a choice to make. It's, it's amazing that God gave us free will. He gave us the ability to choose whether or not we would surrender to him, submit to him. We can continue to try to strive and make purpose for our own lives and try to create significance for ourselves or with the offer that God puts in front of all of us, this gift of his grace, this gift of salvation, we can choose to surrender to him and, and allow him to orchestrate and become this great conductor in our lives that we, could, that we could actually surrender day in and day out to his leadership, his purpose, his plans, and know that he is gonna get us to the right place at the right time. Those are the kind of people I'm inviting us to be tonight. And I believe that God wants you to be. That's a place where you find hope. You find Jesus for who he really is. He came as this gift from God, gift of salvation and gift of life to every single one of us. And our desire tonight here at Real Life, we're always gonna, every time we're together, we're always gonna preach this good news, that Jesus loves you, that he died for you, that he is willing to take your sins upon him and give you his perfection in exchange. It is a gift of God. It is by grace and grace alone. There is nothing that you can do to earn it or deserve it. It is completely free. It is a gift that you have to receive. It takes you saying, God, I'm gonna surrender to you in your way and your will and your leadership. I'm gonna trust that you are gonna work all things out in this life. You're gonna get to the right place at the right time. And that is why we're together every week as a church is encouraging each other in that because we lose heart sometimes, don't we? We get, we get distracted sometimes. 
And we need a community, a family, a people around us to remind us, no, God is working. God has a plan. God has a will. He has a purpose. He is rescuing all of humanity, and he wants us to be a part of that miracle. The invitation is for every single one of us tonight is to put your hope in Jesus, to surrender your will and allow him to be Lord, leader of your life. We're gonna receive communion tonight, and this is gonna be your opportunity to do just that. If you're a part of the communion team, uh, head to the back if you would right now and help prepare for that. These guys are gonna pass out uh, a stack of cups. There's bread underneath and, and the, the cup, the juice on top, and that. those two elements are symbols for us as a church. They're symbols of Jesus' body and his blood that was shed that was sacrificed for every single one of us. This is so, so special for us as a church because this is where we place our faith. Jesus, you really did come and die for us. You really do have the power to save us, to set us free from our sin and to make us right with our Father in heaven. You really do have the ability to orchestrate these lives. See, the reason why you hold it in your hands, you make a decision to put it in your body. Nobody does it for you. It's a decision of your will to submit to God's will. That's why it's so powerful when we do this. It's a unifying moment where we all collectively make a choice together as a church. Not everybody in this room is a follower of Jesus. I understand that. But know this, this invitation is for every single one of us here tonight. Thanks, babe. No matter where you've been or where you've come from, there isn't some sort of checklist that you got to go through before you receive the gift of God's grace tonight. This gift is for every single one of us. And our prayer is that every one of us would participate in this moment together. But notice this is a sacred decision that you and I make tonight to put our faith and our hope in Jesus Christ and to find hope in him alone. My prayer is that every single one of us would make that decision tonight. We would surrender to Jesus and we would find hope in him, hope in the plans and the purposes that he has for our lives. We would be a people that he could lead to get to the right place at the right time. Whatever he has in mind for us, wherever our lives he takes, this is us saying yes to his leadership in our lives. So I want you to hold that bread and that cup in your hand. And I want you to just for a moment pray. This is a chance for you to meet with God. He's here. His presence is here. His goodness, his mercy is here. I want you to think about that place that feels the most empty in your soul right now. Or maybe it feels like you're not sure what's gonna come of it. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's a a future, a decision you're making. I think that question mark is there for you just to to see your own shortcoming and how little control you really do have. To recognize that this is an opportunity for you to surrender to Jesus. Just lay that, that emptiness or that question before him tonight. Allow him to meet you there. Some of us came in here carrying a burden, a pain, a loss, some grief, brokenness. Maybe you caused it. Maybe somebody else 
betrayed you or hurt you. Whatever it is that's got you burdened tonight, I just want to ask you to just present it to the Lord. He's here. He promises to be with us in those places of brokenness, to not cast us aside, but to be our shelter and our hiding place, our rock, to be our comfort, to be our healer, to be our peace. ask all of us just to acknowledge that we need a Savior tonight. In your own heart, in your own mind, this is your moment right now just to say, God, I need a Savior and I surrender to you. I lay down my will, my plans, my purposes, and I turn to you, Jesus. Would you be my Savior? Would you be my God? Would you orchestrate this life Would you lead me to the right place at the right time? Just turn to him wholeheartedly right now. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he was with his disciples, celebrating this meal with them, and he was about to be arrested. He took some bread, and after he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to each of them. And he said to them, this is my body, which is given for you. Every time you eat this, remember me. Let's eat, remember Jesus together tonight. In the same way, after dinner, he took the cup. He says, this cup is the blood of the new covenant. It's poured out for the forgiveness of sins. Every time you drink this, remember me. Let's drink and remember together tonight. I'd love to just pray over you tonight, real life. Um, Why don't you just stand to your feet with me? Think about how many families are in the room tonight. We have parents and kids and grandparents. Maybe you came with a friend. If you're close to somebody nearby, you maybe just grab their hand. I just want to pray a blessing over you tonight. Jesus, your church is a miracle, God. Each of us come here tonight from so many different places and so much, so much that could divide us and make us so different. Yet, God, because of you, here we are together as one. It is your grace, God, that unites us. It's your forgiveness, Jesus, that makes us whole. It is your freedom and your healing, God, that gives us hope. God, and our hope is in you tonight. Thank you, Jesus, for coming. Thank you for Christmas. God, thank you for every person here in this room tonight, every family, every child and grandchild and parent and grandparent, God, every friend and extended family member, God, every person, God, that you brought through these doors tonight, God, I pray your blessing on in the name of Jesus. God, that you would cover 
every heart here with your grace, that you would fill every mind, God, with your peace, that you would quiet every fear and every anxiety and fill every soul in this room with the peace that surpasses all understanding, God. God, I pray in this coming year that your favor would be ahead of us, opening doors, God, and making a way where it seems like there is no way, God. That every family would experience your provision and your, your grace, God, in a real and a powerful way, God. That every, every marriage, God, would be covered in this room by your power and your love and your mercy, God. Where there is division, we rebuke the enemy in the name of Jesus, God, and ask your protection over every family, every young person, every every person, God, that you have in this room, God, pray your protection over in a miraculous way, Jesus. We are trusting, Lord, that you are going to be our provider, our shelter, our shield, our rock, our refuge, our redeemer, God. You are our God, and we put our hope in you, Jesus. We thank you for Christmas, and we thank you for every soul in this room. Thank you for the salvation, God, that you are bringing to everyone who is calling on your name tonight in this place, Jesus. You are are our Savior, Jesus, and we praise you and we worship you tonight, God. Thank you for your salvation. Thank you for your healing. Thank you, God, for your mercy in our lives. Thank you, God, for your protection, God. Thank you so much, God, for being our God. We turn to you with all our hearts and we just give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen, 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 amen.